Hey everybody, welcome to Tara and Andrew versus the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide. I'm Tara. I'm Andrew. Uh, this is part 51 in our 3726 part series, wherein we select a movie at random from the Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, watch it, do some research, and tell you what we thought and learned. And uh, we have one golden rule that we abide by with the podcast, which is that whatever movie we select, we must watch, as long as it is something that neither of us have seen before. We are stuck with what we pick. Honor bound. Honor bound. So this week, it's my duty to select the film. So I've got my eyes closed. All right, I will begin flipping through the guide. Just tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. So we are watching The Hunted from 2003, uh, William Friedkin movie. Ooh. So he of uh, The Exorcist yes. fame, Benicio Del Toro, Tommy Lee Jones. Del Toro goes Rambo in the Oregon woods, and tracker father figure Jones is drafted to hunt him down in Freakin's lean, mean, manhunt thriller. Hmm. Once Hollywood's golden boy, Freakin remains a sharp action craftsman with the love of compromised heroes and assignments complicated by ambiguity, though he's been too often saddled with scripts long on high-concept gimmicks and short on dimension. This isn't necessarily better material, but the basic situation gives Freakin room to do what he does best— Beautifully photographed and tightly engineered, it's all about the action, and Friedkin pairs the film to essentials. Explanations are left vague and ambiguous, as if there may be more to the conspiracy theories and covert killing missions than the government claims. The Hunted is all about the thrill of the chase, and Friedkin challenges the antiseptic spectacle and fantasy flamboyance of computer-enhanced blockbusters with a gritty, hard-edged style. Well, that sounds interesting. It sounds promising, yeah. yeah. How long is this? It is 94 minutes, so right. yeah, a tolerable, tolerable length. Uh, it's, Very reasonable. It's, it's no no longest runner. So, but, <laughs> No uh, longest runner? Yeah. No loneliest runner? Loneliest runner, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've already, already started to block that movie from my memory. Great, great job. Well, I'm surprised considering all the uh, dirty suits have been hanging out our windows since then. I'm just doing that subconsciously, I feel like. Just... <laughs> You think the cats would learn? Yeah. Oh, the uh, cat. Uh, yeah. The cat had an accident. <laughs> oh, oh no! The cat had another accident. Oh. He's just too lazy to go to the litter box. <laughs> yeah. Someone actually. <laughs> you has think been... I don't know my son? <laughs> <laughs> I've known him for nine years. <laughs> I don't know that there's any meaningful collaboration for us to do here. I mean, it's right. an action thriller. Sounds promising. We liked The Exorcist. Yep. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. I like it when movies leave things ambiguous. Yeah, me too. There are times when it can be really frustrating, but in general, it's nice that it's not all handed to you and you have some room for interpretation. Exactly. And uh, yeah. As long as it's no dream lover. That's uh, that was an example. Demon of ambi- lover? Demon lover. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm batting a thousand with names. <laughs> uh, so... Yeah, Demon Lover was a bad uh, example of ambiguity. Dream Lover! (laughs) So I don't demon love alone. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Lord, okay. So we will be back with our thoughts and opinions on The Hunted after this musical interlude. We're back. We've returned. After a 
fucking long ass uh, break between recording the first part of the episode and this. Two months, just about, probably. Yeah, probably something like Pretty that. Pretty close to it. Um, yeah. We've been busy. We've been, we've been busy. Ish. We've also been not wanting to watch this movie. Uh, I think <laughs> this is part of it. Uh, after we watched the trailer, we were both like, oh, okay, uh, yeah, well, we can watch that. That's, yeah, that will be fine. That, that seems watchable. That seems somewhat watchable. Um. So... Yeah, uh, this whole kind of more loosey-goosey release schedule, I think we might have to work on our, <laughs> our dedication, like, force ourselves to, like, set a timeline that we have to watch the movie by. Uh, the Hunted. William Friedkin's The Hunted from 2003. <laughs> William Friedkin's seminal film, The Hunted. <laughs> his his uh, tour de force, Yeah, you, you might say. Let's just get into our, our rating, shall we? Oh, yeah, on that note. <laughs> Before we reveal our feelings uh, inadvertently, <laughs> uh, we have a five-point rating scale ranging from don't watch to maybe don't watch to eh to maybe watch, and then uh, the high point of the scale, don't not watch. And so have you a rating in mind? I have a rating. Okay. Have uh, you? I, I have. So on the count of uh, three, one, two, three... Maybe, Maybe don't, don't watch. watch. Oh, what a surprise that we would both feel that way yeah. about this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe don't watch this Maybe. movie. I think I got tricked into it because I remember the guide's opinion of it seemed to be pretty positive from what I vaguely recall. Sure. And I was like, oh, yeah, the guide seemed to like it. It's, you know, by William Friedkin. He's got a good track record, or at least he's made several good movies. People uh, know Benicio Del Toro uh, yeah. and, and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. It, it can't be awful can't be that bad and then uh well i think our instincts were correct in waiting several weeks between recording the first part and actually sitting down to watch this movie because yeah. it is not very good not very good not, not great not good not at great. all um i think the reason why i think maybe we should talk about why we didn't go all the way down to the bottom of the barrel in terms of ratings yeah um and and for me i have to say you know they really did themselves a solid by making it fairly short. Yeah. They kept it to like an hour and a half, boom. Yeah. Kind of in there, out there, done. It still felt pretty long. It still felt too long. On top of it, I have to say, like, it was really ridiculous in points. And I appreciated those moments because that's what brought me any spark of joy. Yeah. <laughs> Watching this movie is like, some things are just so outlandish. Yeah. I couldn't help but make jokes at it. And so... Yeah. That kind of, I think, boosted the rating a little bit, too. Inadvertently. And Inadvertently. I, I would say the fight scenes are pretty well shot. Uh, yeah, I think they're decent. And and it looks, from the research that we did, like we can talk about later, but it looks like they actually put some decent effort into those. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. it makes sense why that would be a high point. Yeah. Not totally meritless, but also not anything you should seek watch. out, Yeah. So, with that said, let's let's get into discussing the plot. So the movie opens up with Del Toro's character uh, as part of a military special ops group in Kosovo, and they're trying to get into this mosque that some bad dude has occupied and is, like, recently taking over three cities and fucking shit up pretty bad. And so they're going, like, we gotta get into this mosque and take this guy out. And so there's like a kind of lengthy action scene with uh, Benicio stealthily infiltrating the mosque and then sneaking up on this bad guy and cutting him up, just doing a whole whole lot of stabbing to him. Lots of stabs being done. And then we see him being rewarded for his 
bravery and heroism being given what like silver star i think is what it was that they gave him i think so and so there's there's all his peers sitting around and we see a shot of this one guy kind of smirking while his commanding officer is talking about how brave and heroic benicio's character is i'm not going to refer to their character names by the way because i can barely remember the movie left so little of an impression and they're hardly (laughs) referring to each other by name either so he gets the star, and then we see him like laying asleep in bed, kind of being tormented by the horrors of the the battle that he had just been in. And it is pretty horrific. I think that's another thing that the movie does well. It's, it's pretty visceral. But uh, then we see him being plagued by nightmares, and then it cuts to a pretty dumb scene where Tommy Lee Jones is like kind of tracking this wolf through British Columbia. And there's blood in the snow, and he's trying to, to find the, the wolf. And he f- eventually tracks it down, and he digs through the snow and finds some herbs or something that he chews up. Then he releases the wolf from the snare that had trapped him. And he takes these herbs out of his mouth, and he applies it to the wolf's paw, and then the wolf runs off healed. And it's just like, it, it was at this point that I just started to get this bad feeling. Yeah, in, for real. In my stomach about this movie, I'm like, oh boy, that's... <laughs> I mean, in, in real life, the wolf either would have just like bolted immediately after getting out of that snare, or, or he would have bitten Tommy Lee Jones's face off, I, right. I would imagine. There wouldn't be any bonding moment between him and this, this beast that was injured and probably not very happy. So he releases the wolf, the wolf lopes off, and then he goes into this hunting lodge, I guess, and he's like, Who's, whose snare is this? And some guy's like, oh, that's my snare. And he beats the guy up, smashes his face into the table, is like, don't do that again. And it's like, well, okay, I mean, I appreciate that uh, he wants to beat the shit out of people that hurt animals. I can relate to that much, at least. That is about as much character development as we ever get for him, though. Right. There's, right. Like, nothing else that they really tell us about him. It's it's yeah. thrown out all downhill as far as that's concerned. Yeah. <laughs> as we'll as we'll continue to sort of like maybe touch on. Yeah. Um there's like one other piece of his history that we ever find out and that's about it. Right. It cuts to Benicio del Toro out in the woods of Oregon. Of Oregon, yeah. And there's a couple of hunters that are doing their huntery business, and then they start hearing this creepy voice. I don't even, he's like kind of taunting them or asking them questions or whatever. <laughs> yeah. and I think at the time you made a reference to that episode of The Simpsons where Milhouse is like using his camouflage disguise. I think it's the episode where they sneak into Shelbyville to, to steal the lemon tree back. To re- yeah, to get the lemon tree back. Yeah, and there, there's a scene where Milhouse is imagining what it's going to be like to uh, use the camouflage kit, and he's like, I'm over here, guys. Or... Oh. Am I over here? Yeah, and that's like just exactly, that's such an apt comparison because like it's using, it sounds like it's like ADR, like they recorded the audio for that later because it's really doesn't sound natural at all. At all. Yeah. And and so it's just, it sounds really stupid. And then we see like glimpses of Benicio del Toro, like all in kind of dark face makeup as he's stalking these hunters and then he catches them and he chops him up like uh, he loves um, making hand gestures to indicate the chopping which doesn't translate well to the the audio medium but uh he's chopping him up and it just is bloody and uh ridiculous at the same time yeah so we we learn that uh <laughs> he's become this kind of crazed killer who just likes to murder people viciously at this point uh clearly people come across these dead hunters and are trying to find out what the hell happened. So the FBI is involved and they 
go up to British Columbia and grab Tommy Lee Jones to help have them help track down the killer. And uh, I don't a I don't know how they knew he was the guy to go to. Like that's not really clear at all, especially because he's living in British Columbia. Yeah, like he's living in a different country. Also, odd choice, British Columbia. Oh, yeah, very odd choice. But in any case, they're like, "Hey, we need a helicopter you down to Oregon to find this killer." It was pretty bad killing. And it's just like the stereotypical, like, oh, "I'm out of this business. I don't. I'm done with this." No. stuff. you're <laughs> like, "Well, you got to." Tough shit. <laughs> just yeah. like no real good argument. Yeah. Either way, it's just like, "Nope, you're doing it." So, uh, cue to them in this helicopter and then landing in Oregon. And, uh, Tommy Lee Jones has to do some really dramatic vomiting. Yeah. Like, really, That's really right. overacting. And it looks like he's, like, holding his crotch, too. So, yeah. did, he, did he pee himself? Or, like... <laughs> no, didn't you know that's where your vomit comes from? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's vomit. I, my, uh, I've been grossly misled. <laughs> Just puking and puking. Yeah. So we learn <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is, does not care for heights or flying at that point. Like this really, this really um, tough dude is just like, oh, I don't like heights. Do they? They don't even really ever go back to that. No. Well, kind of later when yeah, he's heading um, back up yeah. to British Columbia, he's like, oh, I'm gonna be taking a long route on the road. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that's like it. That's the only other reference. Yeah. So he's in the woods and um, telling uh, FBI lady, the like, whatever FBI lady who's sort of like leading the search. Don't even know her name. Don't Doesn't even know matter. her name. Doesn't matter. FBI lady. Um, that he's going to go in and find him by himself and everybody should get out of the woods. And by everybody, I mean a shit ton of FBI people, including many horses. Yeah. So there's like at least four or five different FBI agents riding around in the middle of the woods in Oregon <laughs> yeah, on, on horseback, on which if you're from this area, you know how stupid that sounds. They're just like in the fucking woods. Yeah, not not good horse walking terrain. terrain. No. And on top of it, like, what are you going to see on a horseback when you're trying to find people in the woods that you're not going to see on your feet? Right. Like, they're tracking a guy. Like, uh, it seems like a horse like, unless, gonna... unless he's, like, super tall or he was, like, swinging through the trees. Yeah, like, what the yeah. fuck are you going to find on a horseback? So, are you looking for Sasquatch? Oh, they're... oh shit. Oh, I think, maybe, I think maybe we didn't understand the movie at all. Oh, shit. <laughs> we missed out on the whole Sasquatch plot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's fire it back up. We'll watch it again. Hold uh, on, everybody. Be back in, be back in two months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the um, FBI lady's like, yep, okay, we'll leave. And so they all, like, head on out. And Tommy Lee Jones starts slithering his way through the woods. Finally meets up with his boy, Benicio. And they get into a little fight, and uh, they, he manages to nab Benicio, and uh, Benicio is taken in by the FBI. They all head back to their main office or whatever, and so they're they're in the office, and like then they're interviewing him, and he's he's not really giving them too much information to work with, but Benicio starts talking about like, well, I was part of this operation, blah blah blah. And Tommy Lee Jones is like watching him from behind a two way mirror, and um. One way mirror. One way. One way. Yeah, two way mirror. Two-way mirror. <laughs> Basically a pane of glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna start referring to windows now as two way mirrors. Crack the two way mirror, will ya? It's been warm in here. Um, so 
he's he's watching him, and then Benicio starts like referencing the secret operations he does a part of, and Tommy Lee Jones storms in. He's like, "Don't tell him that. You don't want it that on the record." And Benicio is like, "Oh, I do want it on the record. I want him to hear all about it." And then that is basically loosely touched on when uh, this other group of uh, government official, like military special ops guys, storm into the mm-hmm. FBI office and take him into their custody. They're like, he he doesn't legally exist. He's missing in action as far as anybody else is concerned. So we're taking him with us. And like the FBI tries to push back, but they can't really do anything about it. And so they they take Benicio out of the, the office and they load him up into a transport van and they're driving around and then mid transit, one of the special ops guys pulls out this inhaler thing. He's like. Yeah, you gotta die now. Sorry. Sorry, guy. Uh, you, you fucked up. You killed the members of this family, of this one person you were supposed to kill. You killed all the family members instead, and it's become a big international incident, so we gotta, we gotta take you out. And Benicio Del Toro does not take to this news particularly well, no. and so he... He's like, no, they were, they were, they were military. They had weapons. They had weapons. Yeah, they were, they were bad. I'm like, mm, I don't care. We're, we're gonna kill you. So, tough titty. So Benicio, like, grabs one of the guards, like, with his chains and strangles him, and then the other special ops guy tries to shoot him, but shoots the driver of the van by accident when he dodges, and so the transport, like, crashes over, and Benicio shoves the inhaler into this other dude's nose and is like, is this painless like you said it was gonna be? Take a good sniff. Sniff it up, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Sniff it up, brother. Turns into Hulk, Hulk Hogan, uh, and uh, <laughs> brother, sniff, sniff this up. Um, uh, I wish he had said that. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked it so much better if he just launched into a bad Hulk Hogan impersonation. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, he he kills a guy, but after he does this and he escapes, he like dresses up in the the uh, security guards' outfits and then gets out of the transport and's like, oh, you gotta help my friends in there. They're all dead. To the, the passerbys. Mm-hmm. And uh, everybody's freaking out. And then, like, Tom Lee Jones does say, well, I'm heading out of here to the female FBI lady before they take Benicio. They're like, well, goodbye. I'm gonna be driving back up to British Columbia. Uh, she's like, oh, it must be really worth it. All the hours of traveling, and he's like, oh yeah, it's beautiful up there, you should come visit. Yeah. Well, and there's, like, this kind of, like, they try to make it seem like there's some sort of romantic undercurrent <laughs> yeah, like, between Tommy Lee Jones and, and Lady FBI, which goes nowhere. Yeah. It's just, like, there's they're definitely hinted at it. I think maybe there was something that got just, like, cut out of the movie. I mean, but they, like, left that little bit of flirting in for no reason. Right, right. There's so many parts in this movie where it's like it seems like they are just like cutting scenes randomly to get down to a predetermined runtime for this movie yeah it just like jumps pretty drastically from scene to scene a lot of the time yeah for sure um, like over and over again yeah uh so anyways he's in this probably bus station but it looks like an airport and he sees on the news like oh this van there's a accident this van has been knocked over on its side and the the People are, whatever, freaking out. And it's not even immediately clear that it's the, the van that they took Benicio into custody right. within. But somehow, Tommy Lee Jones just knows that that's, that's it. Oh, He's shit. Like, my boy. My boy. That's my boy. I gotta go get him. Um, so he, he runs away, like, out of the bus station or whatever it is. Also, it's not that far to drive from Portland to British Columbia. Uh, no, it's, it's like really not. Seven hours, maybe. Yes. So it's like, it's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
For real. Like they were making it out to be, at least. So we find out that Benicio escapes and goes to hide out at his girlfriend's house. Yeah. And... Ex-girlfriend. Ex-girlfriend, yeah. And so she's, like, surprised to see him, and she hasn't seen him in a couple of months, but... He has his stuff moved into her place, and it sounded like she'd only known him for like eight months, because as he's hiding out there, Tommy Lee Jones and the lady FBI agent show up at the the girlfriend's house. They're talking to her about her relationship with Benicio. Yeah, I met him like eight months ago, and uh, I haven't seen him in like probably six months, and it's like, wait a minute. (laughs) Hang on. <laughs> two months after you, within two months yeah and then, meeting him. yeah and then like her daughter is like super enamored of, of him as well and it's like yeah you're introducing your boyfriend to your daughter that quickly like you're it's like she didn't seem to be like much <clears throat> more than 10 years old right uh it's i mean whatever yeah it, it, just, it just did not make much sense i mean maybe he's a real charmer maybe he just Charmed his way into her heart that quickly. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Tommy Lee Jones and the female FBI agent are like, well, we're going to look around through a house. Even though you say that you haven't seen him, we're still going to check this place out and see if we can find any clues or whatever. And Tommy Lee Jones goes upstairs and he scares the lady's cat. And he sees, like, Benicio is just, like, sitting in a room in a chair. And they're they're talking. I'm going to have to pay for the things I've done or whatever. And then he just, like, dives out the window very quickly steals this lady's car and drives away like his, his girlfriend's car how did he get into the garage and hotwire the car that quickly it's just like a matter of seconds it seems yeah. like he drives off and they they try to follow him and then they realize that he's ditched the car and run down into the sewers or something yes yes and and so tommy lee jones follows him into the sewers and then it's so dumb he goes down to the sewers and he's looking around trying to figure out where he went to and then like the camera focus shifts and we see that Benicio is just right behind him it's like oh come on really he's not gonna be running for his life to get away from the the cops or whatever he's just gonna be idly sitting there in the sewer waiting to make a dramatic reveal reveal yeah well I wonder if he just like thought he could take out Tommy Lee Jones and then like end of story <laughs> like he, he's free to walk away yeah I... you know but there's just like so but the thing is yeah you don't know what he's trying to do no it's just like oh nope here it is goodbye yeah and like next scene right around this point is when we get a brief flashback to seeing tommy lee jones training him and showing him all the specific stabby moves that he wants his trainees to be taught wants his boys to know yeah to be able to kill efficiently and, and silently and so it's like a lengthy flashback scene yes just a film like way lengthier than it needed to be yeah showing the stabbing drills and showing them making their own knives and and that's important because benicio is using this special knife maybe that's how they knew that it was tommy lee jones character maybe because of the the way that the wounds on the hunters cut pattern or whatever special serration on the knives right yeah and anyways so there's this flashback and you see him learning these killing skills, and it's like Tommy Lee Jones' character has never killed anybody, but he's he's training these other people to kill. And like, how does he know how to fucking kill that efficiently? That's yeah, my, that's my answer to you. <laughs> Aside, uh, he tracks him down into the sewers, and we get this flashback, and then the FBI police chief is there, and. Yeah, Benicio kills some FBI guy, whatever, 
So he, so I think like Tommy Lee Jones chases him out of the sewers. Yeah. And then Benicio ends up on the train system in right in Portland. Right. And like Tommy Lee Jones is like on the top of the train. Benicio's inside, just kind of like chilly, walking around. And uh, eventually Tommy Lee breaks through the roof and everybody then starts freaking out on the train. Benicio gets off uh, the train and then he manages to jump off a bridge into the, well, I think it must be the Willamette River. Yeah. And uh, FBI lady shows up and is talking with Tommy Lee Jones and, and she's like, oh, where'd he go? And he's like, well... He's gone. My boy swims like a fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much word for word the quote. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, yeah. <laughs> and then at this point, he's like, okay, uh, well, he's, he's far away. And then we cut to a scene of Benicio and he's like, sure enough, in this area with this crazy ass waterfall system that uh, he somehow managed to swim to very, very quickly from this middle of Portland. Yeah. And uh, he's just, like, hanging out on a on a rock, making his own knife. Yeah. Out of just bits of stuff he's found there. So uh, we cut back to Tommy Lee Jones, and uh, they're kind of, like, at the outskirts of the woods again. And he's like, okay, FBI, you should... Just go home and knit some socks or something. I'm going to go in after my boy. And they're like, you're going in with nothing? You're not even going to take a gun? He's like, nah. But won't you get killed? He's like, well, if you don't see me in two days, I've been killed. Adios. And just kind of saunters into the woods. Um, And then he, you know, he sits down and makes his own knife. So there's like another scene of Tommy Lee Jones making his own knife. So he can go have an, a knife fight with Benicio and find out who, who makes the best knives out of, out of stuff in the woods. So Tommy Lee gets there, finds him just like still hanging out by the waterfalls. Somehow finds him. It's like it's a big area. It's it seems a huge like. fucking he just, like, area. Randomly stumbles across wherever. He's like, like, oh, he's going to be somewhere scenic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they'll make a great scene yeah. for the movie. I mean, he's a tracker, but it's still, like... If somebody's swimming, yeah, you're not going to have a track. A good way to track him, yeah. Just to, to see, like, yeah. he, he sees, like, a wet footprint somewhere, right? And then yeah. he's like, oh, this way. So, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro are... They have a little tete-a-tete. They get into this pretty gruesome knife fight. And it's, like, not clear who's going to win. They both end up getting hurt pretty badly. Yeah. But Benicio is dying, and then uh, as he lays there dying, FBI lady and, and, the, and the rest of the FBI posse show up. And she's kind of miffed because she wanted to take Benicio in. But anyway, whatever, he dies, and then cut immediately to Tommy Lee Jones being back up in British Columbia. Yeah. And he's, like, looking through this pile of letters that he received from Benicio and uh, he's like, he opens one and he's reading it and then he's like, oh, well, done with these. And he throws them into a fireplace. Yeah. And I guess we, we one thing we did skip over is that it's letters that Benicio had sent to him, like saying that I'm, I'm turning into a monster or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Like that he just like had done nothing with apparently. Yeah. Cool. Right. Burns him up and then he goes outside and he's like looking around and. I think we were both we were dreading... We were both expecting either Benicio or the wolf. No, I was expecting the lady. I was <laughs> or the lady. The, or the lady. Oh, okay. yeah. Because of, like, he I was, that. like... It, I, I, th- I was thinking could have been one of those three, and in any case, it would have been bad. Yeah. 
It's like, either it's going to be the wolf and their best friends, or it's going to be Benicio, and he's still (laughs) alive somehow, and he's hanging out with Tommy Lee in the woods now. Or it's going to be the lady, and they're boning down. Yeah, I was was pretty convinced they were going to show the lady, because he'd made that overture to her, like, oh, you should come up to British Columbia with me. I'm just like, oh, no, please don't let that be the case. And it wasn't. There's just nothing out there. He's just by himself. And... Yeah, and and then credits. And then the end. And uh, at that point, we both um, laughed audibly when we saw it took three dudes to write this movie. Yeah, because there's not a lot of, like, intricate character development in this movie. Right. Or dialogue, even. It's like a real A to B to C kind of plot. You you just get to part way into B. You don't like. Yeah, it's not. There's no. There's no like smooth transition <laughs> no. from one thing to another. No, it's it's just like very very abruptly going from one scene to the next. Yeah. Yeah, not good. Not great. Didn't didn't think it was very good. Like the knife fight at the end was pretty good. Yeah, for sure. And everything else was pretty bad. We are not the only ones who thought so. So there there was a few people that gave the movie good reviews like a few critics like ebert, ebert gave it three and a yeah. half at the time oh, come on roger because ebert. he's like oh they didn't use cgi yeah uh, uh, time out london was glad that they didn't use cgi ebert was glad that they oh, didn't yeah. have like people flying all over the place because <laughs> uh, I, I mean it, it was right around the time relatively close to when uh crouching tiger hidden dragon <laughs> came out and so there there's a, a glut of the the wire fighting action movies i think taking yeah. place back then so a movie that was just pretty much straightforward, no CGI, no like fancy leaping around. Two dudes fighting. Yeah, that probably was like a, a breath of fresh air, but it's also not something that I think really holds up well as for like review purposes, like down the line, because you know, here we are 16 years later. That's not any like real indicator of quality. Right. Whether or not there's <laughs> CGI or whether or not they're like. Doing these elaborate fight scenes where people are moving around either like Matrix or right. Matrix style or on the other end of things like Crouching Tiger style. Yeah, it's like, like the, the kind of thing that would be like important at the time, but like in retrospect, it's like yeah, it doesn't really have any bearing because there's been so many other movies since then that have not been reliant on CGI yeah. or wire fighting. So it's like not really a good point to hinge Your a positive review, review on. on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's not like that was anything groundbreaking either. No, it's, it's like <laughs> it's just silly. Yeah, um, fight us, Ebert. <laughs> fight us, Ghost of Roger Ebert. Come, come and get <laughs> come, us. Come claim us. Come haunt us. Come haunt us. Broke my spine out. Claw <laughs> <Pop> my chest. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, channeling some Shane Madey vibes. Yeah, we've been over watching, here. watching a lot of Buzzfeed Unsolved, uh, which is is very funny. It's uh, so good. You should watch it. Yeah, highly, highly recommend. Highly it. recommend. Um, and so there's not a ton of interesting stuff that we found. Like, not really. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones's character is based off a real dude that William Friedkin knew for several years before the movie was made, and he'd been, I guess, trying to figure out a way to make a movie about him that wasn't a documentary. And so when this script came up, it was pretty, pretty adaptable. Or yeah, like <laughs> I think it, it may have been written based off the dude. Too, by the... I think it was like the the dude had written a book, and I think the story was like one of the chapters. Okay, in in his like autobiography, um, or at least the script was based off of 
one of the chapters okay. or something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, because the, the guy that the story is based on is this guy, Tom Brown Jr., and he has written books, um, and he, he has, like, a tracking school that he still runs out of New Jersey, apparently, which is, is pretty interesting. Tom Lee Jones' character is pretty close to what his life was like. He, he trained people to be killers, and there's a, a quote that William Freakin gave in an interview where he was talking about uh, Tom Brad Jr. had this tremendous guilt because he would show some young soldier how to make his way through some area in camouflage, become unseen, then kill somebody, and later he'd find out the guy had been targeted for political purposes, but as somebody in power decided this person deserved to die. So that's where Tom's guilt kicked in. He didn't know who the enemy was anymore. I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. And that movie, would have been a way more interesting movie. <laughs> the movie does not really touch on any of that at all. Just like no. Tommy Lee Jones is kind of this cipher that you don't really get anything from. Except for statements about my boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, the script is just like so minimal in... Well, as far at least the way it was, the, the movie is so minimal. Like, who yeah. knows what the script was like? I mean, we don't. We haven't read the script. So it's hard to pin it all on the script or not. Yeah, that's, yeah. Presumably the script Presumably. I mean... Presumably there wasn't a lot of nuance in the script. Yeah. um, Which is a shame because, again, like, you think Freakin would, especially having known the guy... Yeah. Would have been able to, you know, even if the script was not what it should have been in terms of, like... Touching on some of those more interesting aspects of Tom Brown Jr. and his life, you think you'd be able to massage it a bit to? There's no depth to it. There's no depth. Yeah, and for somebody that which he... I think is like because he knew Tom Brown Jr. is like even more inexcusable. Yeah, and I think there, there's some other quote from that interview uh, where he talked about how like oh the backstory is out there and I'm like um... well I rope some of that in like not just. Expect people to go do research, because I would have had no idea the guy was based... You have to give us something to want us to be interested to find out more. Yeah. this movie does none of that. Yeah, it's... it's... Like, how would you even know it was based on anything real? It just... Yeah. What I think a lot of reviewers really kind of say that this is, like, a really shitty remake of First Blood. And that's probably what a lot of the audience thought watching it. It's like, oh... It's it's, redundant. It's like, redundant movie. Don't need it look into this any further. Yeah, it's not the kind of thing that would stick in your mind after you watched it. It was being erased from my memory it was like as a, I was it watching it. It was like it. a stupid popcorn movie. It's like, the only reason I, I would imagine people would see it in the theater is like, oh, I need air conditioning. Yeah. Because it's, it's hot outside. Or it's like, oh, I like Tommy Lee Jones. I like the Nisio Del Toro. Yeah. This is probably Whatever, this fine. is probably serviceable. Yeah. But um, looking at it, people weren't really going to see it because it made like $45 million total. Cost $55 million to make. Yeah, did not do well. So, did not do great. William Friedkin, I don't know what his intentions were with this movie, because there, there's a quote about it that I found where he says, Let me stress, there is no message in this film. Excuse me, you can't claim that. Yeah, I mean, it's... With all the fucking... Blah, 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 Abraham. <laughs> yeah. Said, like, blah, 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 kill me a son. Like, even, like, I think every movie has a message in it. You can't just say, no, there's no message in this. There's... It's kind of throwing shade right. uh, towards the, the screenwriters, first of all. It's like, there's no message in this piece yeah. of shit. But, uh, like, 
God, uh, like why why make the movie then? Well, I mean, it's not like everything has to have like a significant political point that it needs to make or anything. But like to say, there's no message at all. The only thing I could I, I, like sort of keep harping back on this point, but like the only reason I could see him wanting to make that kind of statement is again having a relationship with Tom Brown Jr. Yeah. Not wanting to be like, oh, I t- I use this guy's life to make my own personal statement. Right. Like that would be the only way I I would. Hear that quote and be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but again, the the way the movie was released, like the form it's in, there's like no obvious way anybody's gonna know it's about this dude. So yeah. you may as well say that there is some sort of message to it. Otherwise, like, oh no, it's just some something I pooped out for you. Here you yeah. go. Well, and, I, and I put no thought into it. There, there was some other. I think in the. I don't know if this quote came from the same interview that I was referencing earlier or not, but he also talked about how he doesn't make movies that have purely bad or purely good characters. I'm like, The, the Exorcist, uh, the demon in The Exorcist, I would say, is pretty clearly evil. There's yeah. no, like... There's no uh, nuance with yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, obviously a, a fucking demon. Yeah, so I don't know if he just... I don't know. Anyway, before we wrap up, I just want to return to one of one of my favorite segments, which is well, actually. <laughs> um, so, looking at the IMDb uh, goofs page or the trivia page, sometimes there, there's stuff there. They're just like, why would somebody feel like they need to make this kind of comment? It just yeah. seems like it's it's just somebody showing off their their knowledge for no other purpose than to look like an IMDb smart guy, which like that's about as damning an honor you can bestow upon yourself as as anything that I can think of. But uh, some guy had posted about the the scene where they were forging their knives like before their big showdown. Yeah, and the guy's like, well, they show them making the knives, and and then uh, when when they're quenching the red hot knife in the stream, there's a jump cut. And the knife is no longer red hot. Uh, quenching steel and water takes considerably longer than the few seconds shown in the film. Then parentheses, possibly why it was cut. It's like, really? <laughs> uh, oh, you know, <laughs> they didn't want to take a long <laughs> contemplative shot of uh, the iron slowly cooling down. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, so just oh. not a goof necessary to draw attention to. So um, th- that being said, The Hunted, don't watch it. But something that you probably should watch, uh, if we may be allowed to do a... Seamless transition. ...into talking about something that we did like a lot, is the Netflix uh, sketch show I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Yes. It is uh, like a six-episode series. Each episode is like 15 to 20 minutes long, I would say. Yeah. It's like very uncomfortable but not like to the point where you don't want to watch it necessarily not it, like to it's the point where it's like yeah so uncomfortable you just painful. have to stop yeah it's just a lot of situations where somebody is in the wrong and rather than just admitting that they're in the wrong they just like double and then quadruple down further just to like ridiculous lengths yeah and uh it's so funny like we've it's something that we watched probably seven or eight times now not just in showing it to other people but just for our own viewing enjoyment because it's just i don't know about you but it, like i find more things to laugh at as we watch it it just like it's yeah. funnier and funnier to me yeah we, we make um, references to things from it probably like seven or eight times a week i feel like oh yeah just easily. from somebody 
being unhappy that their date is eating all of the good toppings on the nachos to a guy not being willing to admit that he's opening the door the wrong way. Like, just <laughs> situations like that that spiral horribly, horribly out of control. It's super, super funny. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so if you got Netflix, you should definitely watch it. If you're a fan of, like, Tim and Eric, uh, it's not as gross as their stuff is. Oh, yeah, not really at but all. It's, but it's in that same kind of vein of, like, what people call, like, anti-humor, I guess. Which I don't think is a fair term to apply to it. It is absolutely wonderful, and I think in our show notes we'll link to uh, one of the sketches yeah. from the show that's available on YouTube, so you can get like a little taste. Yeah, uh, it's get a little taste of the good stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's well well worth watching. A, a good investment of your maybe two hours it would take to watch the whole the, thing. The whole thing, yeah, yeah. if that. Um, so yeah, I think you should leave. Definitely check that out. And so on that note, I guess we will wrap things up for this episode. We would like to thank the great band Boat for allowing us to use their song lately off the album, Setting the Paces. Thank you, Boat. Very much looking forward to uh, new music coming out from you guys hopefully soon. Yeah, they're working on a new album. It's been a few years, so I'm so excited to see they've got a new new record album they're working on. A new record album. new record album. We will make sure to plug that, uh, an unrequited plug for them once, once that comes out. Oh, you'll be hearing about you'll, it. You'll hear about it. Uh, we would also like to encourage you to support your local independent movie stores. Scarecrow is amazing, and we can't say enough good things about them. They are richly deserving of your support, and we'd like to encourage you to do so. Yeah. Then, uh, finally, if you want to keep on top of our hopefully less sporadic episodes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can always follow our Facebook group, Taryn Andrew vs. Scarecrow Video Movie Guide, uh, our website, TaranAndrewVerses.com. If you have any comments, you can shoot us an email at TaranAndrewVerses at gmail.com. Uh, we're, on, we're on Instagram, and yeah, if you like what you're hearing, shoot us an email. Um, if you don't like what you're hearing, just keep it to yourself, because really, I mean, we're, we're too far into it now to stop. There's, there's nothing <laughs> you can say that's going to really change our mind at this point. But yeah, I mean... If you if you like what we're hearing, please let us know. We we appreciate any positive any positive feedback you want to share. With us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, feel free to try to share any any. No, uh... I'm just gonna delete it. Skip it if it seems like it's negative in any way. I'm just going. Nope, no, thank you. Um, but uh, uh, in all sincerity, catch you later. No, sorry. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. In all sincerity, catch, catch you, you later, later potato, potato hags. hags.